What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and our guest. Today, we sit down with Tammy Sifra. She's a captain with the Glendale Fire Department and a world traveler uh, and currently is working in her dream job as a recruit training officer. Uh, Matter of fact, she is the lead recruit training officer. Uh, We talk about all that and so much more. Please enjoy. Thank you so much for for sitting down with me and and talking and podcasting. Um, I've known you for many years, but we've never had a chance to just sit down and chop it up. We're always just working, yep. <laughs> doing stuff, mm-hmm. teaching classes and running through stuff. So you are a fire captain and right now you're serving as the lead RTO at the Glendale Regional Public Safety Training Center. Yes, that's a mouthful. Did I get that right? Yeah. The grip stick. <laughs> and uh, so I am, first of all, super proud of you and, and what you're doing there I think is really cool. I've had the the pleasure as a uh, an organization who's bringing recruits to you guys to see the results of the training that you guys are doing phenomenal to hear the feedback, etc. Now, before I go blowing your ego all up, I'll, <laughs> I'll shut up now, but I want, but you have a story that led up to this and, and who you are as a human being and as a fire captain, etc. And, um, so I want to hear a little bit about you and talk about your journey and the things that are important to you. Awesome. So Tammy, who are you? You're an enigma. <laughs> who are you, Tammy? <laughs> Where do you want me to start? Like as a kid, like, what do you want? Yeah, like, what well, do you want? <laughs> I mean, not the whole thing, but there are yeah, some well, things. So let's talk about that. What, so where did you grow up at? I grew up in Glendale. Oh, so you're a local. Yeah. <laughs> like very local. <laughs> very local. I grew up down the street from yeah. where I worked in Glendale for um, probably three quarters of my career. Mm. So station right up the street. End of story. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a love story. What did you do growing up? Um, well, I'm the only girl. I have three brothers. Okay. So that might answer uh, where a Where do you questions. fall in the matrix? Uh, one younger, two older, okay. two older half brothers. So I feel like that answers a lot of questions for people. What questions does it answer? <laughs> as a tomboy growing up. Yeah. Just outside. I know you love to be out in the wilderness. We've talked about traveling and hiking and backpacking and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Where, uh, how did you, how did you fall into that? Just who you are? Traveling? Yeah. I feel like I'm just like a, like a free spirit. You're just full of wanderlust. Yeah, just a free spirit. I'm very curious. Yeah. I like to challenge myself and kind of get out there and see different things. So, okay. So, did you, coming up, did you play sports? What did you, how did you stay engaged as a young person? Um, I I ran track. Okay. I ran track. I played volleyball, basketball. Um, but running was probably my main, my main sport. Where I was good what at you, it. What did you run in track? Um, I was more of a short distance or like a sprinter. So I did 100 meter. I did hurdles. I did yes. four by ones. Um, yeah. Did you ever do like the 400 hurdles? Oh, no. I, I tried. I attempted the 300s. Mm-hmm. Not for me. That's not my style. Quitter. The 100 meter. 100 meter hurdles is about all I could do. <laughs> that's, like middle, that's like middle distance. Anything beyond 200, like middle distance, right? Like, well, the funny thing with hurdles, like the 100 meter, the distance is close. And so you can hit it with the same leg. Yes. But you start getting in the distance and it's like switch leg. and so Yeah. So I was a hurdler. What? Yeah. Didn't you didn't know, know that? No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was a hurdler and ran uh, the 110s and ran the 400. So growing up in Canada... They ran 400s. They never did this little sissy 300 nonsense. Mm-hmm. So um, I was I was pretty good. Although I will say this. I have one speed and it's slow. <laughs> so I could run the 400s. I could run a flat out 400 as fast as I could run it with hurdles. Like it oh. was irrelevant. The hurdles were irrelevant. I couldn't go any faster. Yeah. But they didn't slow That's pretty down. good. Yeah. That's, so I was mediocre at best. Success, and so yeah. it was perfect. <laughs> That's so I was able to have a, a moderate uh, success with the 400 hurdles, but I loved it because it was long enough and I had a bit of a engine so I could sustain my speed throughout. But like I said, it was just, you know, the same tempo the whole entire way. Mm-hmm. But the 110 highs, by the time I got to my senior year, they had gotten so high, I couldn't smoothly run them. It wrecked me. Yeah, I, I sucked at it. Oh. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I was not very good. That's fun. <laughs> Did you did you uh, end up running in college? I don't remember. If you told no. Me this or not. So I actually just went to 
community college. Okay. Started doing stuff uh, to get hired and classes for fire. So you, so. so you had a fire bug right away. Yeah. How'd that happen? Um, so 9-11 happened my senior year in high school. So I remember that day very well. And uh, I was kind of toiling with what I wanted to do. I had actually no idea what yeah. I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't want to sit behind a desk. I kind of watched. Uh, my mom was a girl boss. She worked her butt off. And uh, watching her, like, uh, go to work every day and kind of not super be happy, but do it for us. Mm. What'd uh, she do? She was a dispatcher oh. for night like. transportation. Oh, okay. For, like, over 20 years. Really good at it, but just long hours. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I just knew I didn't want to sit behind a desk. So I was actually um, leaning towards military, like something military. But uh, 9-11 happened, and uh, I remember hearing stories of um, some of the public safety officers writing their Social Security numbers on their forearms mm. before going into the towers because they just knew they were going in multiple times and um i never heard that before yeah so kind of the writing on the wall and so kind of um that struck me so deeply like that you could be uh part of something bigger than yourself that you would willingly go into a situation knowing you might not come out to the point that you would write your social on your arm if they were to find you later so i was like holy cow like that's like super special i want to be a part of that so yeah had you had anybody in your life that was public safety prior Mm -mm. no anybody anybody in your social group be like yes me too um like at that time yeah um not that i knew okay like as i look around it's funny like i went to ironwood high school but i look around there's a ton of us that actually (laughs) <laughs> ended up on the fire service for my high school but oh, we didn't not collectively together right like it was kind of after yeah, the fact, it's all but, later um but yeah so i actually ended up graduating high school early we had like block scheduling so you could kind of alter your schedule um graduated early started taking my emt my second semester of high school and as soon as i had my emt i started testing for fire um, so how you're what 18 19 18 yeah <laughs> so funny i just that station i grew up down the street from yeah i uh, just walked up to the station knocked on the door and was like hey i want to be a fireman like what do i do and so he took me in sat me down like yeah this is what you need to do you need to uh be part of the cadet program you start volunteering uh at that time glendale had just started their uh crisis response Mm-hmm. It was like the fir- brand new, like first uh, wave. So I got in like for that training program and started volunteering with Glendale. And so. What what was it about? So you were on the crisis response team. What um, what are some of the experiences there that helped you move forward in your career? Wow. It's Thinking back, come on, it's funny. Being 18, 19 years old um, and being put in the situations that crisis response calls that you go on. Give, so, us, give me an example. Uh, like death of a family member. Yeah. Like 19 years old showing up to somebody's house who maybe just lost their son or daughter mm. or their mom or dad. Um, you go through training, you go through crisis training on how to like help somebody cope with that. How to not that. say something stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So how to... Because all I'm thinking is like, as an EMT, you're like, can I take your blood pressure? (laughs) Can I help you? What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, we would go on these scenes. Firefighters would leave. Yeah. And we'd sit with these family members for sometimes like three, four hours waiting for whatever the process to kind of go through. So, yeah. Kind of being in that role, kind of being, I don't know like supportive and like kind of what your presence meant to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes not even saying anything at all, just kind of being there. Mm. So I felt like mm, they talk about Glendale. We'll get there, but like being the care bears and um, I felt like that was like a natural role for me. 
to kind of step into that with people and but you're it was definitely you're a naturally caring person <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm a good listener like i feel like i can empathize with people yeah uh, pretty easily so right kind of i think it's cool that you you kind of discovered that mm-hmm. right and you realize it because i think a lot of times we we go through our lives and we don't really know what we're good at we yeah. don't know what's going to be in our wheelhouse and you kind of i almost want to say you stumbled across it yeah 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 so how did you how did you leverage that into a job on the fire department? I mean, obviously you're working in an allied field, you know, for the fire department, but not directly as a firefighter. How did you make that work? Well, besides doing the CR, um, they had cadets. So oh right, yeah, you um, mentioned that. Yeah, doing the cadet program, it was a really small group. It was probably like maybe eight to ten of us. Um, so it was actually pretty intimate. They got to do lots of ride-alongs and. Um, people got to see your face and your name and kind of your work ethic. And so mm. I remember one day I was on like doing a shift on the CR and one of the fire chiefs is like, Hey, like, are you, are you interested in being fire? Or, like, you're just going to, you can stay on the CR. And I was like, no, no, I, I want to be firefighter. And like, what are you doing? Like, so like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just a baby. <laughs> I'm just 19. <laughs> I'm just 19. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I got hired 20. Wow. I, awesome i tested everywhere oh, very um, cool but glendo was the only place i wanted to work that was like my deep down that was the only place i really yeah wanted to land there's something i i i will say this and i've said this before on the podcast but i'll say it again i've really envy I, i've had i've had uh local envy a couple different times when i'm cruising through town and the dudes in the truck are like, oh, yeah, you know, I grew up over here and, you know, we, we used to go play, you know, basketball over here. We'd hoop it up over there and you know, we'd go, you know, play over the line over there at that park or we'd go to the club over here. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even know where we are. <laughs> right. And um, it, it, you know, growing up in a whole different part of the world, uh, for me, it I do appreciate that. And I think about well, how cool that would be to be running in the neighborhood that. I grew up in very cool. Did you find that to be a unique experience? Like will you enjoy that part of the job? Uh, had pros and cons. Yeah. Cause I actually, how so sometimes run on folks that I knew and mm. people I went to high school with like, I mean, not so great situations and yeah. Um, but it was also cool too. Like going back to my old elementary school was in my first year <laughs> running calls or just kind of seeing some of my teachers and, like hey like i know I you, remember you. Like, <laughs> so that part was cool like that is awesome and then kind of just getting to serve the community you grew up in yeah that's kind of a super unique uh little situation to kind of be in so. yeah that's um that's really cool the uh the only time i went back to my elementary school i remember standing going into the bathroom and seeing how tiny the little bathrooms <laughs> were i'm like I don't remember it being this small. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like oh, a giant right down, now. I feel like I'm a giant. What is happening right now? <laughs> Other than that, I never went back to elementary school. The uh, um, so you get on the job, uh, you're working your way through, you know, your career, and what, what are some of the things that you're a captain now? How many? Wait, so how many years do you have on now? Twenty. Nineteen will be twenty. Right, this just year. coming up on twenty. Yeah. Uh, my math. I'm working on it, but it's, yeah, so close. <laughs> <laughs> so you're coming up on 20 very exciting as you that to me 20 is a big year because it, it for me when i hit 20 i started reflecting on my career a lot mm. you know and reflecting on my experiences and things i've learned and and etc so i'm going to force you to do that right now as you mm. reflect if you're not already doing it we're going to do an exercise okay. <laughs> throughout your career as you look back over the 20 years what are some things that you can identify that have really shaped who you are and shape how you feel and how you think and, you know, drive kind of your philosophies, if you will? Ooh, um, let's see. I remember, um, getting hired young, 20 years old, uh, seems like maybe you would have a ton of confidence to kind of like, kind of jump into that career field and kind of go through academy but like I feel like I've always just kind of been like I don't know maybe not as confident so I think like um one of those first challenges I I got voluntold to go to 
medic school on probation. Oh, wow. Um, so I've been to new EMT and now you're on probation and now you go through medic school and now you're. You were salty though. You had been a <laughs> CR van EMT. You were like, oh, yeah, no. very crusty. No, no, <laughs> no. So I just, uh, I think being put in those situations, like just being super young, just young in tenure and then like young in life, not a ton of life experience, but, mm. um, I think just you got to rely a lot on uh like your gut just your gut instincts and uh fall back on your training and like trust that uh like what you're saying and what you're asking people to do on scene like it's kind of an awkward situation to be in so i think uh from a young age what makes it awkward your own insecurity yeah i feel like a lot of it might have been just insecurities like um just being young and wanting to do like I mean, I would call myself a perfectionist, but wanting to not make mistakes or being f- afraid to make mistakes yeah. or um, especially being new on the job and I don't know, a lot of people put their name on you. It's the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I think that experience though, like from a young age, being able to like trust in yourself and um, kind of build on that and kind of make a name for yourself and start building your confidence slowly. Um I think that that alone gave me a ton of confidence, like moving forward, at least. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. So um, I love like I got into this job um, because I wanted to help people and like just doing my ride alongs and um, being a part of Glendale, like volunteering and like being on the job. I I wholeheartedly was 100 percent in like passion for the job. My parents said they've never seen me so passionate about something in my life. Um, and about seven years on, it's kind of funny. I talk, I talk to people about this now, but about seven years on, I kind of got maybe on a crew that wasn't as motivated Mm. or maybe didn't share the same affinity for the job. I'm like this, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail kid. I show up on this truck. Um, and it is amazing how contagious maybe mm. a negative attitude is. Mm. Um, and so I think I was, I was there for a few years off and on, but I just kind of watched myself take on a little bit of that negativity or kind of like soaking that up. And I didn't like that at all because I yeah. started um, I started changing my, my viewpoint on the job. And I was like, that's not it's not true. Like, I know I love this job. So how did you discover that though? How did you recognize it? Oh man. It was a little I voice, think, a little devil on one shoulder and a little angel on the other. I think, um, what was cool is I had a, a strong support system outside of work hmm. too. Um, like at the time, like, uh, home group with like church or I had a, a very, um, a very influential coach in my life. Um, who I would train with and he was also kind of like an elder at our church. And so it, um, kind of just like, Hey, something's off. Mm. Like, like you don't seem like the same. Picked up on your bad attitude. <laughs> yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't <laughs> smile as much or like there's something different. And so I was kind of like, okay, like this is, I don't, I honestly had considered like, maybe this isn't for mm. me. Maybe I'll get to 10. I'll vest out and try something different. And I was like, nah, man, this is not, that's not right. So, uh, I bit out, I bit off shift, completely just left to go rove and try to change up my environment. And it worked 100%. As soon as I got out of whatever that was, um, completely changed my outlook on the job. And, um, so it's interesting because I, I'm sensitive to that now. And so I, I watch others and I can see like when they get, usually it's like around the five to 10 year mark, like people who were like super involved, super gung ho. Um, and then all of a sudden they just kind of fall off the, uh, fall off the map a little bit. Yeah. I've had a couple conversations with some of our younger firefighters just like, Hey, what's going on? Like, so I kind of share my story and kind of, what do they say? kind of same thing like somehow or some way 
they get disenfranchised or if they were slighted on something, maybe they didn't, Mm. they didn't get a promotion or they didn't get selected for something or, um, I, what I've seen and what I tell, especially now, like new recruits and firefighters that are on my truck is you got to stay engaged. You got to find some way, um, to stay engaged. And so I think when I was in that environment, um, I was buying into that negativity. So whatever that was, if it was, we run too many calls or whatever it is, like, um, you kind of, if you're not engaged or you don't have some sort of tie to reality or some sort of grounding, um, whether it's being involved in charities, running a program, um, training, finding something that you're like passionate about, whether it's forcible entry or something that mm. just like your niche or something that kind of lights you up. Yeah. Like you got to seek that out and like keep like pursuing it. I don't know. I feel like I kind of, if you kind of just kick back and go into um, relax mode or get complacent. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting because a lot of times people will poke at the organization, right? Their department. Well, the department's not doing this for me or that for me. And, and, and that may very well be true, right? You may not have all the best equipment or you may not, they may have priorities that seem uh, misaligned with what your priorities are um, when you come to work every day, right? But the, uh, and, and that's a, it's tough because sometimes we, we start running calls and we run in certain parts of, you know, in our neck of the woods or some places that are just very busy mm-hmm. and it feels like you're on an island and you're mm-hmm. not being taken care of and the organization's not doing anything. Um, and my perspective has shifted a lot along with my seat, which I think has <laughs> changed my view a lot and has expanded my vision on this. But I think about, um, I, I can promise you that the, the exec staff, they do care mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure it out. And I'm not trying to apologize for everybody, but I will say it's tough because they're in a tough spot and they're trying to push things through and get stuff done. And, and they do care, uh, but it never happens as fast as anybody would like it. And um, it's tough. So what I would challenge folks to do, and I think about someone in, who is in your situation, and I think about moments when I've been, I'll use your word, disenfranchised, right? Where I'm like, I remember getting passed over in a process being like, don't they know who I am? Like, what is <laughs> happening right now? I, I swear I gave the best interview and the best tactical, you know, but I, every time that happened, I stopped and go, okay, what part do I play in this? Mm. And I would step back and do an accountability check and say, okay, what am I doing to control my attitude? And it's, I feel like that's why I asked you kind of, you know, what changed for you? What did you have, you know, having somebody who engaged you, and said, hey, what's going on? Causes you to pause and go, yeah, what is going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and reflect. So I feel like all of us who are, you know, anybody who's listening to this, take, Tam, take a note out of Tammy's book, pause for a minute and ask yourself, what's going on? What am I doing? What part of this can I control? Because mm-hmm. the 911 calls are going to keep on coming. You can't stop that. I think, yeah, I think it's what you focus on. Like you can focus on that. Yeah, the light bar is never going to stop. Or you could focus right. on, like, your crew for the day. Like, I right. see crews that run 20 calls a day, and they have the best shifts because it's their attitude. Yeah, what's that all about, yeah. right? Yeah, the, some of the busiest companies are the happiest yeah. out there. And and uh, I had the pleasure of being in Central Phoenix Battalion 8 for quite some time. And during that period, very busy area. And what I loved about it was the crews were always busy. They were cooking chow and shopping. And I'm like, how are you guys doing all this and running calls? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so they just found a way. And I, I can't explain it. The laws of physics don't make sense. It, does, it doesn't work out mm-hmm. mathematically. But they made it happen. It was amazing. And I have to agree with you. It has something to do with their headspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to focus on the right stuff. Yeah. So so you transitioned out of that. You got into a, a better headspace for yourself, speaking of which. And, and then what would you do? Um... So after I was hazmat early on, so I stayed on that hazmat team. Um, I started getting more involved at work. Uh, charities has always been my passion. Mm. So um, I started uh, like a little charity run for veterans. Like that was super fun. That was like 
something that I was passionate about and kept me engaged and um, allowed me to kind of give back in other ways. Isn't it like a 5K or something? I, remember, mm-hmm. I seem to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was super fun. Um, I started uh, having some awesome mentors uh, kind of on my truck. Uh, captains would come in and um, kind of engage you and encourage you, which I think is so important. Like when you think, um, especially now being in a role as a captain, uh, if you're wondering whether or not like you affect people like in that, in that seat, you do like even just the way you approach your day. Oh, um, 100%. Yeah. Like the expectations that you set, um, your goals and your, your aspirations that, um, either you are pursuing or not pursuing, um, all of those things. Like, and so I had, I had some really good mentors that came on my truck and kind of inspired me. And mm. even to this day, like those are the ones like I try to emulate as far as my leadership style after. What are some things that, that they did that you were like that, that right there? Uh, they made me feel like they cared about me. Like, Okay, I'm impressed. How did they do that? Uh, they took an interest in either me mm-hmm. or um, my career goals or challenged me. Uh, kind of put you in maybe uncomfortable positions where it's like, hey, maybe you should move up today or maybe you should, like, what are your goals for your career? Instead of just showing up and being like, hey, what's for dinner? It was like, no, hey, let's sit down and have conversations. Um how they were on calls, like how they treated patients, like their customer service and um, just how they carried themselves in the department. Like the ones that were super engaged, had awesome reputations, um, were always pursuing like the better good of the department, not necessarily like promotions for themselves. Um, good sense of humor. I think... Um, being able to like one of my captains it was hilarious like he'd be like okay on scene it's all business like as soon as all those doors like shut and we get off the truck it's all business like we're not playing around but like we get back in like okay we're joking around we're having a good time like that was a good it was a good balance like um i don't know like it was fun like they just had lightheartedness i guess yeah well you, you know you, a couple of things you talked about i think was really interesting when you talk about uh you were very clear about hey once the door's shut behind us it's all business and when we get on the truck it's all fun right yeah. <laughs> mostly <laughs> yeah. and i think about that in terms of like uh the expectation it was obviously very clear mm-hmm. right this is how we will carry ourselves so i think clear expectations is what I'm hearing and what you're talking about is one thing. Oh, and, 100%. Yeah. And the other thing I hear you talking about is the thing that really struck me is when you said that they took an interest in you, mm-hmm. right? In your career, in your needs. And, and I think about, you know, when they talk about training, like they probably were like, okay, Tammy, what do you want to train on today? Right? What's on your mind today? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know. Well, think about it and come back to me and we'll work on it. Right? Or whatever. If it's tied in with what your, your career objectives are or what have you, et cetera. And so I think that's a, such a valuable um, uh, disposition to have, right? To be thinking about your crew coming in and looking at them and going, what do they need? You know, that's just the most important thing that a company officer can do for their people. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think that no matter where you are in the organization, we all have an opportunity to provide leadership in the organization. Mm-hmm. And so look around you and go, okay, what is, I'm a junior firefighter. What does my senior firefighter need? Right? What does my captain need to be successful? You can lean in as a junior firefighter and provide that inf- provide that support to them. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that looks like, and it's it's you know they're human beings and they have needs as well and struggles and concerns and so be a little bit empathetic and think about what their needs are. Right? Put yourself in their position. And I know if you're 18, 19 years old, <laughs> you're like you have no idea what they need. Some forty year old grumpy ass captain needs. Right? So. Build a relationship, right? Get to know them a little bit. Yeah, find out the things that they have going on in their lives. It's such a valuable. So it seems so obvious and so easy, but it's not that easy to do. Or just know and do your job. Like we talk about that all the time. Like, don't make me be a captain. 
Like if you know, if you just know your job, if you show up, if you do stuff that I expect you to do, like check the boxes, whatever it is, like whatever right. your expected job is, yeah. and you just show up and you do your job. That's awesome. That's step one. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty low bar. Um, kind of the least we could expect of you, but let's, uh, yeah, I get it. But yeah, but that's a good starting point, right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but it goes deeper than that. Like, I don't know, make sure you're prepared for work and mm. make sure you're training and make sure like you're asking the questions and like, hmm. goes a little deeper than that. Right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Got me thinking. <laughs> Deeper. Yeah. So what, as a, so when did you promote, remind me? 2018. Okay. So you've been a captain now for quite a while. No. Like five years. Baby. I'm a baby captain. Yeah. Well, even more. So as a company officer, right, you've been on the job now for quite a while. You know some stuff. You've seen some things. What keeps you up at night? Oh, boy. I have a couple. I was I was laughing about this because uh, I don't sleep much as it is. So there's a lot of things. <laughs> there's a lot of monsters in the closet keeping you awake. Yeah, there's a lot of things I feel like that keep me up at night. But I have I had some like I don't know. Like I I broke it down in a couple different things. So company officer, like funny. Yeah. But um, from the from the time that I started moving up into that seat yeah. and it's funny how your perspective changes. And I was just talking about somebody this the other day, but like, um, what you think about what's important to you and like what your priorities are. Mm. Um, but buildings in my first do used to keep me up as a company officer, like just weird, like weird stuff in my, like, Hey, I haven't walked that building in like six months. Like I wonder what like, if that caught on fire, like right now, what would be? Yeah. What would be my plan? Like silly stuff. That's not silly. That's a hundred percent what you should be thinking about. <laughs> uh, kind of tying into the other thing, like feeling like I don't have all the answers. Yeah. I feel like when I was thinking about promoting or um, thinking about trying to move up and like get my packet signed off, I was like, mm, I'm not ready. I don't. I don't know all the answers. And I remember having this conversation with one of my good mentors my captain out in the parking lot and he's like you do you really think that you have to have all the answers to be to test for captain or to be a captain he's like do you think i have all the answers and i was like well yeah he's like no <laughs> i, I have you fooled <laughs> i don't so he's yeah. like you got to get that out of your head like yeah you don't you don't have to know everything um like you just your head has to be in the right space mm. heart has to be in the right place but you don't have to have all the answers, so. But I do. I think about that. I'm like, I don't have all the answers. Like, mm. um, and then, honestly, like talking about being engaged with your crew um, and keeping them motivated. Like, I worry about: Am I doing enough for them? Like, am I am I engaging them enough? Um, am I doing things that motivate them? Right. Um, if I have people on my truck that maybe aren't as engaged. Um, like try not to take that stuff personal, but also worrying how how to kind of get them back, get them back in on track, and so it does. Like that that stuff kind of keeps me up at night. Um, in this position, like my lead RTO stuff, I have other things that keep me up at night. But yeah, how long have you been an RTO now? Um, I did. Th Three classes as an yeah. RTO. And that, and that means recruit training officer for, yeah. <laughs> for those who don't know, but many of you do. So I got to be, I got to be RTO for three classes prior to this. And then I just finished my second class as lead. Okay. RTO. So let me ask you. So I, one of my, I won't call it a regret. One of the missed opportunities in my career has been that I did not get to be an RTO. I never had the chance. So I'm going to live momentarily vicariously through <laughs> you. When, what, what has been oh, as a, as man. the, just as an RTO, yeah. what was it like for you that first go time, that first go round? So funny. Uh, I almost didn't put in because I felt like I didn't have all the answers. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. Recurring thing. It's a theme. <laughs> Recurring theme. Um, but yeah, like I think I had about 15 years on and I was kind of like, 
I don't know what I bring. Like, what do I have to teach anybody? You know, like, so we put in and, um, hands, oh my God, hands down the greatest experience, not only my career, but probably like top highlights of my life. Really? Why, why do you um, say that? What is it about it? Like one thing is talking about being engaged and finding something you're passionate about and like reinvigorating your career. Mm. I feel like you plug into like a powerhouse of like the juice. Mm. Like you have all these kids who are like, Oh, starry eyed and just like hungry for knowledge. And they're so excited to be here every day, no matter, even though they're wearing a dirty red shirt and they're soaking (laughs) wet from sweating and whatever, whatever they're doing, they're just happy to be doing it. So, um, to me, like, it reminded me why I fell in love with the job. Mm. Like, because it, it's easy sometimes, like, yeah, on your fourth call after midnight or middle of 48, you're kind of like, wait, why? Why am I here again? Okay. No, but yeah. it reminds you. It helps. It definitely reminds you why, like, why you love this job and why it's so awesome and to kind of see the excitement of people. And um, it... It's very humbling. I feel like this experience, um, even for, even if you're not coming down here, like super confident, it's very humbling. Like, um, just the trust, uh, that not only they have in you, but like your department and like other departments, like they're entrusting you with, um, like these, these brand new. Yeah. The training, the training of their newbies. Right. So, and this is, this is a regional academy. So Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're representing your company officer in Glendale, but you could have a, a firefighter from Buckeye or a firefighter from Tempe or uh, any, you know, any number of regional departments could send one of their folks here and they could be on your engine company or as the lead RTO, you're responsible for the whole shooting match, so to speak. Mm-hmm. How has that changed you or shaped your approach? Well, it's interesting. I think about, um, I think it was like a family orientation, um, one of my first times being an RTO and one, somebody's parent came up to me and they like shook my hand and said, hi, I'm so mm-hmm. close parent. I was like, oh, nice to meet you. You know, and they're like, promise me that you'll train like my baby to be safe and <laughs> like all, like that you will do the best that you can to make sure uh, that when they go out in the trucks, they're, they're going to be safe. I was like, yeah, no pressure. Oh, wow. Okay. So, <laughs> It's kind of funny. Like, I I think about that all the time, like, how I approach it. Like, and same thing, like, being in this position, I think about, like, am I doing enough? Like, yeah. everything I I do and, like, I put my heart and soul into, like, making sure that I give these recruits, like, the best experience, the best training that we possibly can. And so, yeah, I think it, I don't know. Like, it, it makes, it makes me look at things. Like especially even my own career differently. Yeah. Um, not being complacent, like holding yourself accountable, whether it's to your training, your fitness, um, like your total wellness. I don't know. Like it is a whole, it's another sense of accountability because there's people counting on you in a whole nother way. I, I love that. I, uh, I think about often the responsibility placed upon a company officer, just on a fire company. You have the front right seat and you have three other individuals whose lives are in your hands mm-hmm. on a lot of different levels, right? Like simple levels, like, Hey man, we're going to go get some chow. <laughs> Can we stop and get some, you know, thirst busters all the way up to you are making decisions that could put them in harm's way. Uh, and, you have a responsibility to make a good decision, right? Like at, at this high level. Um, and not to mention providing us, giving assignments, if you're the incident commander, to other incoming crews and potentially putting them in a position where they are at risk. Mm-hmm. And the accountability you have when you bring up that mom who came up to you, oh, that hits me right in the heart because I think about how important that job is. And I'm not accountable just to the three people on my mm-hmm. truck. I'm accountable to a long chain yeah. of people, right? Right family members and 
city management and the community who feels they have ownership in this organization, they're my firefighters, mm -hmm. right? If any uh, hair gets you know plucked off the head on one of those folks, you're going to account for that. And that's a big deal. And I would love, I love when, when people start thinking about becoming company officers, I wish they would really understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it's not enough to just sit in the front right seat, push no. buttons and pull, you know, we'll talk on the radio. Mm -hmm. That's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of this job. The decision-making and the, the mantle of responsibility is incredibly important and, and heavy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what keeps me up in there, <laughs> by mm. the way. <laughs> it's yeah. a big deal. Lots. Well, so anyways, uh, talking about being a lead RTO, yeah, you have to train these folks. Now, I mean, I guess it's just the fundamentals. Hmm. Right? <laughs> do you ever get pushback from anybody in the field who's like, hey, man, what the heck did you do down there? What's up with this recruit? Oh, yeah. Like it's, that's another thing too. Like, uh, after being down here, you, you have a much better perspective of what, what we teach and the, <laughs> what the goals are. I think sometimes in the field, they kind of lose sight. They're expecting a, a full fledged, fully experienced firefighter to walk into the station. You're like, no, no, like that's your job. Yes. We, we built the foundation. Hopefully they know how to be safe and they know the basics, but you got to teach them the job now. That's right. So. Yeah, that's important. We need to we need to make sure people understand that, right? You're not getting a fully formed firefighter. You're getting a, a an embryo. Yes, <laughs> you're getting just a baby. <laughs> just a baby. Yeah, they know just enough, mm -hmm. just enough, which is exciting and great. But boy, just enough. Also, look at three months of academy. Nine to twelve months probation. Like, there's a lot of learning that needs to go. On so that much, and and I am always amazed at, you know, 20, I've been doing this now for 25 years and going on more. But I, I'm always amazed. I roll every time I turn around. I'm like, oh, I'm learning something new. I'm like, oh, I should have known that. How did I not know that? Right? Because though you can't know it all, you're figure you're still growing and learning and evolving, and you're gonna learn new things. I've just gotten old enough and sassy enough that I can be like, yeah, I didn't know that. Teach me. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and so I wish that somebody had bumped me in the head when I was younger and said, Hey, it's okay to not know. So, but don't sit there in the, the unknowing. It's okay to not know, but it's not okay to not go find more. Mm -hmm. Right. What, what would you tell 18 year old Tammy? Ah. If you had her in your academy class right now, one of your recruits. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, I think I think about when I was new on the job, I had, there was a, a female chief, mm -hmm. and she was on her way out, and she kind of pulled me aside. She pulled me away from all the boys, and she pulled me to the side, and she's like, um, hey, like, don't don't let anybody here or don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something that you want to do. She's like, if you want to promote, you promote. You want to be an engineer, you want to be a captain. Whatever you want to do, she's like, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Um, and it's, it's funny, like, I'm super fortunate to have grown up, like, in the city of Glendale. Like, our, I heard we just got surpassed. But for a long time, we were girl Dale. We had the most females <laughs> per capita. Who, who surpassed you guys? I just heard Peoria did. Really? I know. Interesting. We need to step okay. it up. Start uh, per, it's kind of a, you make the ratio, the percentage of yeah, like per females on a job. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like copy. we had a we had a in the valley, I oh. think we were pretty like ten percent. I think the oh that seems like a very high number. Yeah. Was like I think national average like five to seven. Oh, we that, yeah, of, that sounds high to me, but I, I, I mean, don't know. I could be wrong, but but forever we we're yeah we we're girl down. I love that. But I growing up my whole career there was there was females in every It rank. makes sense cuz girls like yellow. Yeah. <laughs> they do? I do like yellow fire trucks. They should all be yellow. But um no, but I I watched females in all in all ranks. Yeah. Like that wasn't Yes. That wasn't odd, that wasn't unattainable, that wasn't any of that stuff, but um going back to the confidence thing, hmm. just having her like say that and kind of where she, watching her like she's in the this elevated chief position and it's kind of like huh 
Like, why would you tell me that? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. and like, I've heard some of their stories, and um, like I said, they they kind of paved the way for me. So I feel like I was very fortunate. Well, so let me ask you. I feel like I feel like the fire service has evolved a lot, mm-hmm. right? And and the folks who work in this business now seem to have figured it out, right? Secret girls are here to stay, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like having sisters on the job helps us in so many ways. Like we're just more balanced in all of our response to everything. Right. But do you feel like that's that we've come that long? Am I just making that up or is that, do you feel like we've come a long way? No, no. I think, I mean, like I said, I've, I feel very fortunate hmm. in the city that I work in. But I know, that's I know your not, experience has been good. Yeah. I know that's right? not maybe, I mean, they painted yellow fire trucks for you. guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just kidding. Okay, no, in all seriousness, though, like, so your experience has been really good. So my question mm-hmm. is, is do you feel like that's that's reflected more broadly in the fire service and the American fire service? I would like to think that, that it's getting better. Question? Yeah. Um, I have not a ton, but as I travel and go to conferences and meet different mm-hmm. women in different yeah. in different departments in different states. Um. I feel like it's trending in the right direction. Yeah. But I definitely feel like my experience and even maybe here in the Valley, this experience is um, maybe an anomaly. Yeah. Like it's very, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a hard question. I think maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, When I think about um, my thought on hiring is that um, we are hiring people for value add, right? What do they bring to the organization? And so there's a big conversation about recruitment and retention and, and stuff like that. And so how do we, I mean, I know that the numbers of, of women on the job is small, relatively, comparatively speaking. And, and so my question is, is how do we recruit more young ladies, more 19-year-old Tammies who are going to come and add value to the organization? And how do we get people excited about this job and about providing service in the community? And then it's a heavy question, so I'm not asking. Just want your thoughts on it. No, I mean, I just, for me, I just look at how I was treated. I wrote a, I wrote in a lot of places when I was uh, looking to get into the fire service, um, trying to figure out kind of where I wanted to work, and I wrote in a lot of different cities. Hmm. Um, and how you're treated and how you're interacted with at the station says a lot so um i don't know i think i just feel like um the way i was treated in glendale when i was riding along i just i was treated like anybody else um not because i was a girl or because anything just as a person and i I feel like they they really were trying to get to know you to see if you were a fit value add yeah if you were a value add so I don't know. I th- it's different. It's so different now. Like, even with people riding along or, like, interest in the fire service, like, we're not having the same amount of people test. Right. Like, we're, I mean, yeah. Anymore, I'm like, I bring up this question about, you know, gals on the job. That's not the question. It's, we need people. <laughs> yeah, no. <it's, laughs> Do you have a heartbeat? Are you interested? Yeah. Let's Jeez. start there. Right? Um, yeah. So, it's... It, you know, that's, I think it's important to conversation to say, you know, how, who, who is interested in becoming a firefighter mm-hmm. and how do we attract them? Right. And yeah. how do we help people understand that this job is evolving and dynamic and, you know, it's about fighting fire, but it's really about, it's all hazards. It's about providing service in the community and, and that's the core of it. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody can do that. And frankly, you know, whether you're tall, small, you know, big muscles, little muscles, whatever, like it takes all types to do this job. And, and, you know, we all add something different to it and that's huge. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Finding people that aren't just looking for a job either. Like it really is a calling. It's a, I'm all in. A lot of aspects of my life are yeah. related to or benefited to being a better firefighter or whatever. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Is there anything you would do differently if, as you reflect on your career? 
Mrs. Almost um, at 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Do differently. Um, hmm. I don't know. Like, I kind of, I like, I like the pace that I went at. Like, I never had uh, check boxes. Hmm. I never was like, okay. I want to be an engineer and I'm going to be a captain and then I'm going to be a chief. And like, I never had any of those like absolutes. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a medic, but other than that, I just, I kind of just enjoyed where I was at, tried to learn the most I could. And then as opportunities kind of came up and I kind of fell into things, I was like, Oh, okay. Like this feels comfortable. Like I'm glad I waited to, to test for captain. I am. I feel like, um, that time in the backseat for me was super valuable and a lot of fun. Once you promote, you can never go back. So, <laughs> That's actually not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, I like the pace. Um, I feel like I've done almost everything. I did, I did the hazmat and the TRT and yeah. um, super fortunate. She's RTO and I think you need to get your bugles crossed at some point. Yeah. That's that's next. We'll see. I don't know. I'm having. It's a lot of fun being a captain. Folks, she's shaking her head, saying no. I don't. <laughs> it is a lot of fun being a captain. Like yeah, yeah. I and obviously I, I haven't been a chief, so I don't know. But I feel like a captain is a pretty influential spot on the truck. It's pretty 100%. awesome. It's pretty awesome. Like I have, in the department, I have like often here. reflected that the it, the company officer is the pivotal employee in the organization. The fire chief can stand on top of admin and wave their fists. <laughs> Please make this happen. <laughs> but unless the company officers embrace mm. that message and turn to and make that happen, it won't happen. Right? They are the pivot point where the rubber meets the road. Right or that 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 conduit between the rubber, you know, and the command base bosses. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. A lot of power, actually, as I'm reflecting on that. <laughs> All the power in the universe, itty bitty dorm room. <laughs> yeah, you go home. You go home and the uh, work's done. You get to leave that work at work. That is one of the most best things about being on the line. Yeah, is you know. Did you ever see that cartoon? I might be dating myself here, but it was the sheepdog. Uh, it was like a was it Bugs Bunny? I don't know. But the two sheepdogs would pass each other. Morning, Fred. Morning, Fred. <laughs> and the, the one when they would take, they would swap their posts, and one would punch in, and the other would punch out. Yeah, I'm dating myself. So, anyways, <laughs> I I would love that in the morning. You, you know, you exchange pleasantries with the oncoming crew. You pack your trash, and that's it. Right, you don't have to think about work as you as you head home and go do something different. Uh, that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Something to be said for that. Yes. So nice. well, so is there something? It sounds like you've done so many things. Is there anything in your career left undone that you're like, I I have identified this thing, something I want to do, or even in your life? Where are you at in your life right now? Is there something that you're looking toward? Hmm. Well, I mean, for work, this is my dream job. Lead RTO. Nice. Absolute. How long do you get to stay here, do you think? Uh, I'm here for another two years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. I'm hoping my hair doesn't turn gray by the end, but <laughs> no. Um, There's product for that. Yes. <laughs> Not in life. Uh, I have so many places. Okay. So let's travel. let's talk about this. Yeah. So where, <laughs> what's so far, where's the number one destination you've gone? Oh. Thailand. Yeah? Why Thailand? Oh, my gosh. It wasn't even... I've always wanted to go there. It wasn't even on my radar. Like, for being and it, like... And it landed at number one? Oh. Okay. You got to so uh, say more. I got to know. It's so good. Um, It's beautiful. I don't know why. I just... It is so... It's so clean. Mm. Like, the waters... the The color of the water... Where okay? Where in Thailand though? Because it's not. It's in the Gulf. Like okay. you go down to. Um, like Phuket or. Off of Phuket, it's a what are those little islands down in the center? It's called a. Uh, yeah. Fifi. Okay. Fifi, those little islands in there. So you got to take like a two-hour ferry. Cool. And like, on the this color of blue, 
that the water is. I've never seen it before in my entire life. Mm. And it's wild. It's like a, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a deep, deep soul blue. I don't even know. Cool. Gorgeous. Um, we traveled all over Thailand, so there's like all different types of Is it landscape. hard to get around? I mean, I think about, I always think about the language barrier when I go to these oh. places traveling. Is it tough to travel there or navigate? No, everybody speaks English. Well, that's easy. I know. <laughs> We're... That helps a lot. I'm so uncultured. Um, <laughs> no, they do. They speak They speak English very well. Um, I heard it's very inexpensive, too, mm-hmm. which I think is at plus one, right? That's very nice. Cheap. Uh, I think we flew a bunch of different places, like in... Because it's a big, it's a big country, so yeah. we were like north of the islands, all that stuff. You can get a flight for like nine dollars. What? Yep. Holy cow! Two-hour flight, just nine bucks. Dang, um, that's amazing. And then they do Uber. It's not called Uber, but you can Uber anywhere. Or what they do is, uh, you can just hire a driver for the day. Wow. They okay. pick you up. They're like they're your Uber. Yeah. And then they go. But hey. they're dedicated. But they go, hey, well, uh, I'll just drive you around all day for. 30 bucks and you're like okay so like eight hours you got like a tour guide wow we'll take you anywhere that's awesome uh thai massages awesome five bucks for like an hour massage best nice. massage i've ever had nice food is amazing if you like thai food yeah yeah pretty hot though burn your face off hot yep mm-hmm. yeah we tried that we're like she's like you want it spicy yeah i like spice She's like, mm, I don't think you know what spice is, but okay. Yeah. I almost died. <laughs> that was good. But it was good. But it was good. Yeah, it was That's good. awesome. So so where where do you want to go that you haven't been yet? Gosh. Okay. So there is a cave in Vietnam. It's like uh on the newer side. Probably in like the last 20 years they've discovered it, but it's the tallest underground cave in the world. Oh, interesting. In some parts, it is so tall that they could fit a New York skyscraper in there. And this is underground? Underground. Wow. Um, you you have to get a guide. This one, I'm finding I would, out. Yeah. Um, it's a cave underground. I would hope you had a guide. Yeah, so it's like a, it's, you got to hike a day through the jungle to get there. And oh, then it's like three days. It's six miles long. So it's like you sleep in it. It takes you like three days to traverse. Holy. It has its own weather systems, its own lakes, its own rivers. Um, there's wow. parts of it where it has caved in, so there's like light mm. and then like forests. And so you like... Interesting. I'm so excited. Yeah. Is it on the docket? Are you going or is oh, it just... Uh, it's hurrah? not It's not booked yet, but it will be. <laughs> like Soon. 2026, 20, it's coming. Nice. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, man. So in. There's I I have yet to go to some of the, like pedestrian places like Rome, Greece. Like we went to Spain and we went to Paris, France recently. That was mm-hmm. my last big trip. And but those are like the places you just have to go. They're the the European landmarks. So, yeah. so I'm like, but I gotta go to these other places. So I want to go places like that that are so much more exotic, yes. right? And I one of my weird ideas is which is I want to hike to the Everest Base Camp. Oh. I don't want to hike Everest. I don't yeah. want to climb Everest, but I would like to trek. I want to trek through Tibet. Yeah. Right? That's what I want to do. That would be fun. I think so. Machu Picchu would be fun. Yeah. Um, Northern Lights in like Ooh. Finland or... Oh, Northern. off of... Or like Iceland. Or Iceland. Yeah. Yes. That would be cool. I talked to somebody who did that not long ago and uh, she went solo. She's like, I got to go do this thing. And she went and then she met somebody there. Mm-hmm. And they had the, uh, another uh, lady that was solo traveling and they hung out and had fun. <laughs> she, she took these pictures and they were mind-bending photos of the Northern imagine. Lights. And I'm like, how did you do that? And she goes, I took a picture with my, it's a snapshot with my iPhone. So you can't even imagine what the real thing looked like. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm unbelievable. I'm like, I got to go do that. And uh, did you ever see that movie? I think it's Walter Mitty. Or yes. something like that. <laughs> he goes, like, I need to go see that place. It just looks amazing and beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. The other place I want to go, New Zealand. Yeah. That's on the list also. I would definitely go there. Yeah. There's so many places. Like right now, I don't get to travel much. Just fine. I love what I do. But mm-hmm. it's so funny. I get urges all the time. I'm like, oh, oh I can't go yet. <laughs> I want to go there. Like, 
I just well, I got a bug. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. What um what unresolved apart from traveling, is there any big adventures you want to do besides traveling? Big things you want to try to accomplish? Just in life? Yeah. I mean, some people are like, mm. I want to run a marathon. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want to do an adventure race. Are those things even real anymore? Do people still do those? Well, not like not like the Amazing Race, but like one where... I'm thinking like the eco race where they do the horseback and the mountain biking and the river rafting and the... Oh, I mean... Is that, that what you're of, talking about? I mean, that kind of sounds fun. But <laughs> like, I kind of want to do uh, where they... You sign up. And they go, they give you like a map and they're like, okay, uh, I'll see you in like 80 miles. This is the end. And you got to figure it out. You just run and like figure it out. Oh, okay. It goes through the night. Yeah. Yeah. There was a a guy I used to work with on the truck. He would do them all the time. He'd be like, yeah, I just got back from a hundred mile race. I'm like, what? Like what? I can't even imagine. (laughs) I can't even imagine like, like what that would take. He said at one point he was like standing off on the side of the trail asleep, standing up. And then just woke up and just kept running again. I don't know. Sounds a little dangerous, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like super fun. But I like yeah. puzzles and like like challenges. And like, so. Nice. All right. Let me ask you some rapid fire questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is, uh, let me see if I can even remember what they are that I want to ask you. What's, what's one piece of really good advice that you hear people give that you think is really important okay so fake it till you make it in a certain context so talking about waiting until you feel like you have all the answers in life don't do that like sometimes you just got to lean in step in before you're ready do it when it's scary and you'll figure it out all right flip that what's the worst piece of advice you heard given Oh, just wing it. It's different. Ooh, it's close though. It's How's it close. different? Just wing it. Like I have, a, I have a serious aversion to mediocrity, hmm. like average. So when people, to me, when it seems like flippant or like, eh, like I'll get to it or like I'll figure it out, like or eh, it'll just work out. Like there's still a little bit of work that needs to be put in. Like, if you're faking it to your it, you're working your butt off. Like, there's a lot of work involved. So, I feel like they're just winging it. Like, nah. Like, okay. Doesn't work for me. Okay, copy that. <laughs> All right. Uh, the title of this podcast is Fireground Fitness Podcast, or the Fireground Fitness Podcast. What does it mean to you to be Fireground Fit? So. I like this question. So I feel like, and I talk about this all the time because I'm a workout fanatic. I love to work out. Um, and so people, a lot of people don't understand that. Um, cause I feel like I, I kind of, uh, revolve my life around like fitness and being healthy and all that stuff. So I, I feel like it's like lifestyle. Um, so Looking at, like I said before, like how I live my life and how it relates to my career, I feel like I really am like all in. So the workouts that I do um, are very much tailored to making sure that I can perform in my gear. Um, Like whether it's flexibility, agility, uh, actually working out with my turnouts, uh, specific strength training programs, cardio. (laughs) Um, I feel like that mentality very much uh, plays into to that lifestyle. Uh, how I eat, if you ask anybody, like I'm a, especially at the truck, I'm a little bit of a, a bougie princess on what I eat, but it it all goes into like what makes me feel good and what makes me able to uh, able to perform. And don't get me wrong, I make cinnamon rolls and cookies and I eat all that stuff, but it's all in like it's all in moderation. Um sleeping like trying to get the best sleep like i don't go out before shift like i don't drink before shift like i try to be in bed early i try to get eight hours of sleep to be prepared for shift um and then my work-life balance 
uh, if your home life isn't good, like you're not going to be any good at work. Like it takes, I use a lot of tools in the toolbox at work and especially being in a supervisory role, um, being on for 24 hours. And so making sure like your cup's full so that you have something to pour from when you're at work. So, uh, and then training, like, I feel like, uh, maybe I'm a nerd, but I like nerd out on, uh, not even a question. (laughs) (laughs) I nerd out on certain things like, uh, training wise, like going to conferences and like using my time off or like extra money to pay for conferences or training things. I don't know. Like, I feel like it really is like a totality. Like, you got to be all in to be firefighter fit. I love it. Tammy, thank you for taking some of your time and sitting down and rapping with us. I I appreciate it. And um, any final words? Any parting shots? (laughs) My my quote, my thing that I live by is uh, do something every day that scares you. So like podcasting, podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> no, like if opportunities come up or certain things come up that kind of like, eh, I usually say yes. Cause I'm like, it's probably going to be good. For me. Right on. Thanks, Tammy. Thank you. Hey folks, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tammy, thank you for sharing your time and talents with us. If you're enjoying the Fireground Fitness Podcast, get on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast. More than that, get on over to your favorite platform, subscribe, and this podcast will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it. Surprise! Uh, Listen, you probably took away a grain or two or three from this podcast. Take that information, apply it in your life, go on out there and get some.